0: Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now on to the show. Hello
1: and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Eric. We're good. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am really excited about today's podcast. You guys sent me some notes and some samples, uh, which I don't usually get samples in the mail, but uh, I got (laughs) some samples today and uh, I'm really excited about the topic.
2: Great. Yeah. We're going to talk about legacy letters today.
1: And we've spoken about this a little bit before. And John, you were mentioning earlier how important this piece is. Why is it so important? Yeah, I, I mean, after doing this for so many
3: years, I realized a, a while back that that the communication, the messaging of values and how the generation, the generational focus should be into transferring those values to the next two or three generations, if, if that's what your goal is. And these, these letters are a key part to really understanding where, where it all started, you know, where, where those values came from. It's that G1, generation one to generation three kind of a concept where you go out three generations, you know, who's great grandpa, you know, who's great grandma. Yeah. It goes back to our question we ask all the time, how do you want to be remembered? So this letter, I think, is a very, very important part of your estate documents. That's not part of your wills and your trusts. It's a letter that's, a, that's affiliated with it that gives that direction to the family members and, more importantly, the trustees that manage the trusts that we put, put in place. That's the important part of this as well, and Michael will get into that as,
2: as the attorney drafting these type of documents. Well, yeah, and, and this, this letter really goes alongside. There's two documents that a lot of our families draft that again as you mentioned dad transfer the values and really these are the key documents that avoid that shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves proverb that we've mentioned quite a few times on the podcast but the, but the other document in addition to this legacy letter that we're going to talk about today is the family mission statement or family constitution which i know dad you had a a podcast with yes. eric mm-hmm. this i think it's episode 30 i believe great podcast. I was at a family engagement, so I was, wasn't was able to be on that one, but you did a great job, which uh, I always know you're going to do a great job even without me. I know it's, it's tough sometimes without me being here. <laughs> he be. wants a raise now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you did a great job on that. But yeah, this
1: this legacy letter we're going to talk about today really works in conjunction with that family mission statement. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, you guys sent me a sample beforehand and I was telling you that I, I was almost late to our meeting because I was so engrossed in reading. The sample that you sent me <laughs> we <and> got <gotcha. laughs> you you really did I mean it, it's yeah. you know my history I've, I've worked with kids and youth for a long time and reading the the part of the letter that was from the father to the to the child was just it was amazing and, and I just thought it was just so beautifully written so beautifully done and touched on so many important areas that I just love the concept and and really, that's all I got through before I, before we had to get on this meeting. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to hear, Michael, especially from your viewpoint, kind of how this begins, how this process starts from the legal side.
3: Yeah, before Michael jumps in, I, 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 I was thinking about this a while back, and where did this legacy letter idea come from? Do you, do you have any idea, Eric, how long it's been around?
1: Oh, I would say since biblical time. Yeah, I, yeah over yeah, 3,000
3: years, where yeah. Jacob, if you read the bible jacob had 12 sons and he wanted to leave a, a letter to his sons on the values that he lived by as a father so it goes way back yeah. so there's a lot of a lot of history on this particular document and and we just brought it to bear in our practice of making a, a lead document for our families
1: yeah yeah that's beautiful
2: so i think to to start off again what i think maybe we've outlined what the legacy letter is. It's a, it's typically a letter written by a, a parent or a wealth creator to future generations and also to the trustee of a trust, which will, you sometimes have two different letters, one to the, one to your children future descendants, and one to the trustee, but really oftentimes these letters become an important component when a family is looking at a trust vehicle as sort of the main vessel for transferring the financial assets down the generational line and very often our families look at what's called the dynasty trust format which is a trust that can last for ever really it can go into perpetuity depending on the state that you are forming that trust in so when you look at a dynasty trust the question that we get from families a lot is how if i'm going to leave these assets in trust for you know my great great grandchildren potentially somewhere down the road how do i make sure that the assets are in this trust that are in this trust uh, act as a positive force in their life how do i explain to them why i put assets in trust what the purpose was now normally a lot of our families we do that with family meetings but if again you're going to put a dynasty trust in place you might have 100 years in the future where these trusts can still be viable. Wow. And obviously, you hope that they're doing family meetings 100 years from now, but you're not going to be here to do that family meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So these letters can become a really important way in which you're, you're expressing your intent as to why you put assets in trust again, the values that went into creating the wealth in the first place, and some of the things that you'd like to see of your beneficiary for them to be able to take part in the in the trust and the assets that are within that trust so that's the major the major focus um, of these of these legacy letters so one of the things in addition to that having a dynasty trust format is the asset protection that may or may not be in that trust and the reason why I, I bring that up we've had the, quite a few podcasts on asset protection It's one of the key focuses for our families or many of our families in drafting their estate plan and one of the key ways to get a more asset protection is to give a lot of discretion and authority to the trustee over that trust to make any and all distributions out of that trust. And that in that decision, on its own is a big one for families to to make because they typically will say, Well, who do I put in that position, that's a lot of authority, that's a lot of control that I'm going to give to that person or people to make those decisions. So how do I how do I direct them on how to uh, uh, utilize that discretion? How do I direct them in terms of these are the things I want you to look to to be able to make a distribution out to my children? And that's one that second part of that legacy letter that's typically addressed to the trustee. That's usually uh, drafted in conjunction with the letter to the family as well.
3: Yeah, if you listen, I mean, just think about the common sense of it. I mean, it, I, I go right to you know right down to the simplicity of it. it, it is if you don't give direction to someone, they're kind of left on their own to make that decision. You have a box of assets. And let's say, let's say it's a, you know $20 million worth of assets in this trust. I call it a box because that's what it is. And there's the, the, the box has language to say, here's how it gets distributed or not. But if you don't have any guidance on the wishes of the creator of that trust, the grantor, it, it's it's like up to you whether you're doing the right thing for the family or not so this is a logical step we believe that says I'm going to build a roadmap for that trustee so at least there's guidance based on our wishes as a as a family as it relates to giving money to our children and they're the conduit to make that successful or not. So it's a, it's a, to me, it's common sense, but, but again, it's, it's not, not <laughs> it's common sense, right, Eric? It's, yeah. It's some, sometimes it is, sometimes you
1: go, what? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it, we, we, we're focused on that. Something blow me away. First, I gotta, I gotta ask, is this sample letter, are these documents available to our listeners? Can they get a copy of this?
2: Hmm? Yes. Actually, one of the samples that, that I sent you, Eric, comes from the appendix of a book called Family Trusts, okay. a guide for beneficiaries, trustees, trust protectors, and trust creators. It's by Hartley Goldstone, James Hughes, Jr., who's, um, we've quoted him quite a few times on the podcast, mm-hmm. and Keith Whitaker. They collectively put out a book a few years ago called Family Trusts, and that legacy letter sample that I sent to you is in the appendix of that book. So if anyone is listening that has a trust, that's in place, or maybe you're a beneficiary of a trust that was put in place by a family member in the past. That book is is really really good to read. It really, I think, outlines a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today about these legacy letters and and how they could be a positive force in in a trust beneficiary's life.
1: Yeah, and I I want to the reason I asked that question, John and Michael, is because I'm, I'm going to reference it again. I mean, that's where I was referencing about the patriarch to their child, that part of the letters in there, but what, what really got me, and it was just a reoccurring theme when you're talking about the trustee, the, the word and verbiage to the trustee and to the family about the trustee, I kept thinking godfather, right? Because if you, if you look at what a godfather's role or a godmother's role is in a child, when you have somebody that's going to be the godfather of a child, then, or godparents, if you want to call it that way, a lot of the verbiage is the same. Invest in them, get to know them, tell them your hopes, dreams and, and what you want and your fears, right? All this verbiage is in this letter, talking to the trustee about getting to know the child and talking to the child about get to know your trustee, understand that they're on your side understand that they're there for your best interest. They're, they're in lieu of me because I'm gone. Uh, I just, I found it beautiful. And that's, that was kind of the reoccurring theme that I kept hearing because it really, really was pushing relationship over uh, a monetary thing.
2: Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the relationships and, and communication is, as we've said multiple times with, in multiple contexts on, on, this, on this podcast, is, is really critical. Yeah. A lot of times we talk a lot about the technical designs and tax savings and investment growth and risk management and all of that is, is vital as well. It's all important. But the communication element, the relationship element is really the glue that holds everything together generationally for families. And what's interesting, when
3: you look at this document, I'm going to get a little sidebar here. I was going through some papers in, my, in, in one of my boxes. We all have boxes at our house. And I found an envelope that with a lot of information in it, papers. And I found a note from my mom written in her hand. Mm. Now, mom, my mom died 35 years ago. And, and the chills I got when I looked at that, that was my mother's messaging on that letter and it was a, it was a note to my you know, to my brother actually and and i just said wow so so these these legacy letters have have an emotional piece to it and yeah. sometimes when you think about starting one of these letters you know, look at some pictures of your kids and and look think about your history of your, of your life around you and that helps start this from my standpoint, to get it moving on mm-hmm. how you want to communicate to that trustee. So I, I know I get a little emotional about this because it's that important that, that you recognize that this is you communicating through a trustee that has all that responsibility to watch over your children and beyond. And that's a huge responsibility. So you want to make it easier for them. And that's what this is all about.
2: Yeah. And to, and to add to that, typically, when you think about a relationship between a trustee and a trust beneficiary very often this is one of the things that Copper Beach tries to to avoid. But very often, the first time the beneficiary really knows even knows about the trust or knows about that there's even a trustee that's in control of the assets, really of the family wealth, is when, let's say, mom and dad pass away, and that's of course a very tragic time just in and of itself. And now all of a sudden, the, the future descendants or children of the family are thrust into this very legal relationship between themselves and the trustee. And if that's not, if that relationship isn't massaged or, or, or nurtured, that can create a lot of friction, as you can imagine, uh, down the road. And, and that's really where we all that have trusts in our estate plan have good intentions for them. But if they're not managed or nurtured properly, unintended consequences and pitfalls can develop as time goes on.
3: Yeah, the trustee roles, is, is, I mean, we, and we've had podcasts in the past when we talk about trusts and how they operate. And, and the trustee decision from a family to put someone in, in charge of this box is not an easy one. I and mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about that in the past. We, we struggle with a lot of our families that we require three in-line trustees, yeah. not just one. Because because that one passes away, now what? Then the yeah. courts appoint someone potentially. so and, But to get one sometimes is a challenge, no less three. But when you find that one, two, or three, giving them direction, it, it makes it more solid and, and a better foundation for that document itself and for the kids. And I keep... I keep beating that, but that's the important part to this. This is a is a letter to the trustee more it, it, more focusly to say here's how I want my values to be
2: processed through the financial wealth I'm leaving my
3: my children, and mm-hmm. that's that, that's a big responsibility.
2: Yeah, and I'll put my lawyer hat on here for a second. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> but if you. The reason, another reason why these legacy letters are important, again, to give direction to, let's say a trustee, if it's the trustee legacy letter on how that trustee or trustees should exhibit or move forward with the authority that they're given, is if you put that language in the trust document itself, it becomes really legally binding because a trust is a, is a document that is legally enforceable. And so if you wanna create flexibility in your estate plan it might not be the best idea to put that language or those wishes in the trust document itself because then the trustee has more of a legal obligation to follow that now maybe you you want you would in most cases want the trustee to follow that but maybe there could be a situation with a beneficiary where where you want the trustee to not follow that because of circumstances that may be going on at the time so the legacy letter again as my dad mentioned at the beginning sort of sit alongside the trust document. It's not a legally enforceable document, but it's a letter of your wishes to a trustee on how you might want that trustee to make distributions out to the beneficiaries. And the language of the trust really dictates that as well. Because again, if you're going to have in your trust language that says all the income of the trust should be distributed out to my beneficiaries monthly, I'll just use that as an example. If that language is in place, the trustee really doesn't have much authority mm-hmm. to exert any discretion. They have to make that distribution monthly. But when you start putting in language that my trustee has the discretion to distribute assets out to my beneficiaries, now you're giving a lot of authority to that trustee. And then that's where the legacy letter can kind of help that trustee to bring in some, some guidance to help that trustee um, with, with that decision or those decisions. And by the way,
3: when you sit and start writing this, this, this legacy letter, it's difficult to start. You get a blank page. How, how, how do you think through this? Mm-hmm. So an outline helps. But, but it, it also, it, it's an emotional uh, step as well. And I suggest and I recommend, and you, you're going to laugh when I say this, Eric, open a bottle of wine. <laughs> Pour yourself a glass and start the process. You you want to relax and you want to think through and get get an idea of what you want and how you want to communicate your thoughts. In this document, and I know this sounds complex, but it really isn't. They're they're fun to do. We just had, we just had one with a with a family we, we just finished one with, where they did an outstanding job in their first draft. I mean, they got into it. They spent hours together talking about what they wanted to put in this legacy letter. And if you read the letter, you'll you'll say they 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 get it. I mean, they, this is dynamic. Some people struggle with it. These, these two got it. And it's very, very impressive when you see people really dive in and, and, and put their hearts into it and focus in all, all these very important decisions that not only a trustee has to make on behalf of the kids, but for the kids to get that value based uh, concept of mo- how mom and dad were thinking or how they think about the family going forward in the generations.
2: Yeah. And to to switch gears a little bit towards the letter that might be written to the to the children and the beneficiaries, that nurturing relationship that you talked about, uh, Eric, a little while ago, is one of the key things that many families will put in that letter to the beneficiaries is to, again, to walk through why the trust may be in place, to encourage them to have a relationship with the trustee, because being the trustee is oftentimes a, a thankless job. It's a difficult job one that not everyone is, is set out to do very well. And so a lot of times these letters that are written to the beneficiary encourage the beneficiary to develop that relationship with the trustee and so that to, to make their job a little bit easier as well.
3: Yeah, so when you, when you think about families in general, I'm gonna be a little different here. Memory's interesting. I think back and what I remember about my mom and dad and the older you get, it wanes because mm-hmm. it's just over time. And these, these letters help remind you as a person on who your mom and dad were. And so, so to have that type of a, a document that you could go back and review and understand where they came from, it's helpful. And that's just my own personal view. Yeah. I think it's, it was fascinating when I picked up that note from my mom and I read in her hand what she was saying, like she was right there. So it, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see that, that, that come together in a family and, and, and hopefully you pass that responsibility to your children to write their legacy letters to their children and so on and so forth. And that's our goal is to keep this momentum of this wealth creation that mom and dad left to the generations and beyond to keep it growing and keep it being made, you know, a, a major part of the success of the family going forward. It, it's just to me, it's critical.
2: Yeah, Dad. Let's. let's th- this is all great, but let's let's talk about maybe some things that families can think about including in a legacy letter. Maybe if they're listening to this and they uh, like the idea, but they don't know where to start. I, obviously, we talked about opening a bottle of wine. That's maybe step one. But that's <laughs> obviously step let, one, right, Art? Let's talk. Yeah. Uh, let's talk step two. And and what are the things that many of our families typically include in these legacy letters that that families might want to consider for theirs. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you'll you'll agree Michael is is
3: it it's always they start with I'll put a message in place where I want my kids to understand that the wealth I'm leaving they have to respect it and they have to be responsible with that wealth. So, so the first step I would I would think about advising a family to start with is what what would your family goal be as it relates to the money you're leaving your children mm-hmm. and how important is that that they understand how how they're going to be so responsible working with the trustee to make it all work. So that would be the the first part that I would I would address. At least that's what I see when we talk to families, Michael. That comes up almost ninety percent of the time. Would you agree?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I th- I think there's an attorney we work with that is a big proponent of these legacy letters, and he uses the term, "What does it mean to be a good member of our family?" and and to write that. Those, those values or those goals within the legacy letter incorporate that as well. I think that's a, a decent starting point for families to think about that they can incorporate in this legacy letter as well. Um, and then, <clears throat> there's also charitable. I,
3: mm-hmm. we, we, we see a lot of charitable discussions going on how they wanna treat the community. Remember, we've always talked in the past that when, when families look at wealth, mom and dad wanna make sure they're okay. And when they're okay, they wanna make sure their kids are okay. And when everyone has enough, to live their very successful life, then the community takes action. So some of these legacy letters also deal with the charitable side of the world and they, their wishes on how they want to be part of that community and have their kids be responsible for that as well. So that's, a, that's one I see uh, on, on a pretty consistent basis. Yeah, that's a good one.
2: The other one I, I think is learning how to really be financially independent apart from the, from the trust itself. I think that's a big goal that many of our families have is they want to make sure that again that the trust and maybe the financial assets that are being left to future generations act as a supportive positive force in their life not as a hindrance to their own personal development and so a lot of the legacy letters that we read talk about including language that beneficiaries need to you know have their own job they have their own vocation apart from the trust assets that they learn how to invest money and to be financially not an expert, but, but a basic education in mm-hmm. investing uh, of, of funds. And maybe that's them becoming a co-trustee of the trust at a certain age. There's a lot of ways that you can go about doing that. That's, again, more on the trust design side. But learning to be, I think the term that that book I mentioned, Family Trust uses, learn to be money-wise, which I think is a, is a good term. So that's another one that I think a lot of our families look to include.
3: Yeah, and, and children, at least my children, I'll, I'll compare to my three, they, 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 they have lived a very happy life, at least I like to think. And, and there's going to be a legacy to what I and my wife leave them. But my kids have been educated and trained along the way that this is not by accident. Your mom and dad have worked hard to create this for you so that that value comes into play in these in these letters as well where there's a connection between respecting that mom and dad built this for us and we don't want to lose it or abuse it so that messaging sometimes it becomes a very important part of this letter as well I mean I asked my daughters in a conversation I said if if I if I were not here tomorrow what would you what would you remember most about your dad and they said you have strong work at work ethic Ethics, mm-hmm. and and all both of them said it independently to each other. This because they recognize that I've worked hard, and so did their mom, to create what they what we have. So this legacy letter is is part of us. That communication of that success down to the next generation to be responsible and to be focused on that and share that with your generation, i.e. your your kids, and then beyond that. So it's a. I mean, you could take this any direction, Eric. It's really where your heart is in in some aspects but but more importantly to this conversation today it's really directing that trustee to make sure that they take part in understanding what you're trying to accomplish with the family through them
2: and it's 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 a fascinating process yeah that's a really good example I th- along similar lines i think many of the families we work with are are actively privately held business owners and so one of the things they like to inc- incorporate in their legacy letter is they want to encourage future descendants or beneficiaries to start a business of their own, maybe in an industry that they're passionate in, in at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's another, again, and that that can relate back to the trustee, right? If a, you know, a great grandchild wants to start a business and there's assets in the trust and they make a request from the trustee, if that's written in the legacy letter, the trustee maybe be more inclined to make a distribution yeah. out for that reason. Absolutely. Right. So there's a lot of nuances that you can incorporate in there. Again, to your point, there's no there's no rules. It's really what fits for your family, what fits for what you're trying to accomplish as a as a unit. And, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but there's no wrong answers either. And Michael, before we end today, talk
3: about because people might get confused on a mission statement versus a legacy letter. Yeah. Why don't you walk through as as an attorney how you look at both of those documents separately?
2: And well, I think they're both. I think they're they're both related. But when I when I think of a family mission statement, I think of and again, many businesses have a mission statement. is sort of what what what's the purpose of the business if it's a business mission statement, and the same thing with the family context what's the purpose of the family what are the values that go into the the family and what makes the family special or unique or, or and, and things of that sort and so a lot of that can be incorporated in a legacy letter but i think a legacy letter is a bit more specific or tends to be a bit more specific related to the assets that may or may not be in a trust at that, at that time and how those assets should be used and maybe why they were put in trust in the first place and, and things like that. So they're interrelated, but I think there are some, some key differences. I, I view mission statement as being a more of a general family constitution for lack of a better term.
3: I know it gets confusing all these documents, but they're all important. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Every one of these.
1: Let me ask you a question. I'm going to play off of something you said earlier, John, Michael, how old are your kids? Out of curiosity. My oldest just turned four. That's right. And my youngest is just turned one. Uh, And they're uh, both beautiful young ladies. I guarantee they are. They're the best. Uh, So let me ask you this. John, you asked your daughters, you know, what would you remember about me? And obviously we're projecting into the future, but in, in a few years, in five years, if you were to ask, or Michael, if you were to ask your children, what do you know about your grandfather? What, what stands out to you most? It's probably not, they're probably not going to answer work ethic right? Because they're not going to understand that yet. They're going to understand grandpa. They're going to understand, you know, Papa does this, Papa plays with us, you know, whatever John's major influence is. How do you use these tools to help a grandchild understand the grandparents and you know, the, the foundation that they built. So John has built this foundation that will carry on for generations because I know Michael, you're going to be a good steward of that and you're going to continue that. But how does a family get this feeling Passed down to the grandkids or great-grandkids to understand truly what the foundation was, how the foundation was built.
2: I, I think, well, that's a, First off, a great question. I think the the best way to do that is to periodically write multiple legacy letters. We've seen some families do that. I've known some hmm. some families that have written multiple versions of a legacy letter, or they've make it made it specific to their grandchildren, where they've written. A, like letters at different times, right, as a way to kind of tell their story, because obviously I think what you're you're getting at, Eric, is you know a nine an eight or nine year old might might understand a work ethic or a hard work ethic, but not the way that a twenty one year old would so i th- there's i I would think different layers of these letters that you can put in place at different times, depending on. Where the family is at, at that given time. Yeah. yeah, one of the things we've done
3: in, in, in the past, and I think we mentioned this on the podcast before, and I did it with my aunt. As time goes on, I, I'm going to suggest to Michael and to my girls to interview mom and dad th- through whatever technology is going to be five years from now, mm-hmm. but interview and talk about our history and where we came from talk about our parents so you have that legacy of information that your kids can my grandkids can watch when I'm no longer here about what pop up they call me pop up what pop up uh, said about his parents or, yeah. or or the things that he cared about or the the emotional connection he had with everybody in the family. So it's an it's a it's another step that I've seen families do. They videotape or or, or not video. The video's gone. <laughs> they, the digital. Um, they would do a digital interview on on the parents and sometimes the grandparents or great aunts, the matriarch or patriarch of the family, those are the ones that have the history. Don't lose that history. So that's another step that you can incorporate in your family planning around the legacy of the, of the family where it all started.
2: Along those lines, that I think there's a there's a company out there called I believe they're called Wish Life, and yes. they. They actually can be hired to do what what you just mentioned. If you want something more formal, it's it's more produced and and they they kind of create the family story, where you can actually put a, a face to a name, right? That that maybe can last for generations. So that's a pretty unique company hmm. out there that does that. that I believe they're fantastic. called Wish Life. I I believe that's what they're what they're called.
3: I know we're running a little late on time here. Uh, I hope that answered some of your questions, Eric, and yeah, maybe absolutely. got some food for thought on how you might want to write your legacy
1: letter. Yeah, well, um, apparently I'm starting with wine, so. Uh, <laughs> have to. It's a good way to start. <laughs> it's a good way to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, it just and
3: relaxes I'll... you. It makes you calm.
1: And of course, we know the the smart families, they do podcasting, and this will yes, last forever do. too. So, yeah. <laughs> you,
3: you guys are way ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, that's why I did it. You, you and I go way back on that. That's the reason why I, I did it with Michael in the beginning, was I wanted to have a legacy of of a library of of conversations between yeah. my son and I when I'm no longer here and he looks back 30 years from now he could say listen to my dad and I talk about legacy letters. Yeah. So there is a there is a
1: fine tuning to this. I, I, I just love the whole concept. Absolutely. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. Great information. If if people are interested in getting some of these resources, how do they get hold of you?
2: Well, you can call you always call us on uh, on the phone area code 856-988-8300. Or you can, we're on LinkedIn. You can find us on LinkedIn. Our website address is cbfgllc.com. That's for Copper Beach Financial Group,
1: llc.com. And you can contact us there as well. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. You bet. And thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next
0: time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.
4: This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, investment advisory and financial planning services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC-registered investment advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy.